Welcome to the Bolt Soul Experience. I am your host, Kyle Anderson. Thank you so much for tuning in as we officially transition into the first conversation of this podcast with my friend, Stephen Torrance. We recorded this episode back in July of 2020, and it was actually the second time that I had spoken to him. Uh, I had first met Stephen almost exactly two years ago today at the suggestion of a mutual friend who pointed me to uh, Mozart's Coffee Shop here in Austin, where a group called the Regulars used to meet up and just have philosophical discussions. But right away, I could just tell that Stephen was a unique person. He's only a year or two older than I am, and yet uh, he seemed to just have this deep sense of peace in his life and was actively living his dharmic path. Turns out he ended up becoming a Buddhist, and I was deeply intrigued by that. I had initially learned that he had traveled to several eco-villages around the world in search of alternative ways of living, which I was quite interested in at the time, but it turns out that there was much more to it. Uh, He eventually joined a monastery to become a monk and is continuing to follow that path, which I just found super intriguing. I had been familiar with Buddhism for a while and even claimed to have an understanding of it, but really never put any of those principles into practice. Meanwhile, Stephen here is one of the first people I've ever met uh, who's taken them to heart and just stepped into monastic living so gracefully. And I know that there's a lot that can be learned from his story. And I knew right from the beginning of this podcast that he was the first person I wanted to interview. Um, So I'm excited to finally get that out there. Unfortunately, the recording got cut off early when my computer battery ran out of juice. However, we did record a follow-up that I will be sharing next time for episode two to expand on our discussion. So yeah, thanks again for tuning in. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoy this episode and any and all feedback is much appreciated. And without further ado, here's episode one with Stephen Torrance. All right, we're live. Stephen, thanks for joining. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Kyle. It's good to be with you. Yeah. Oh man, it's, I know it's been a while since we last connected. Um, and you know, I, I vaguely followed your story. I know you're not on social media very much, but um, I understand that you are back in Austin and uh, we're both here. That's where we first met uh, about a year and a half ago. And curious what you've been up to since uh, you left uh, Virginia in the last ashram you were in, or the monastery, pardon me. Yeah, no worries. Um... Yeah, I, I've, um, I, I like to say I've kind of orbited Austin, uh, <laughs> like, a, like a comet or something, you know, like I, ah. I go out on these really, you know, long arcs out into the world, but I always seem to, to swing back through here um, at uh, differing, you know, velocities and, and for different periods of time. Um, I guess, you know, I could say a little bit about my, my background. Um, I, I, yeah, like I, I grew up uh, in this area. I'm, I consider myself kind of a, a native Austinite. Um, and I, I understand that we're sort of a, a rare breed these days. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that actually. You're yeah. a unicorn. I'm a unicorn, uh, and at least that way. Um, yeah, really, I, I grew up in uh, Georgetown, which is a little uh, north of Austin, a little suburb. Um, my dad came here uh, in the late '80s for the um, the chip design industry. Uh, he was working for Motorola, mm-hmm. so um, I and my mom, uh, she was from Houston, but moved here uh, in the '80s uh, just to to kind of start her life uh, in her 20s. So uh, they met, had me, and um, I grew up in you know a pretty pretty typical American household. I was you know. Uh, into Lego and, uh, you know, we had a computer in the house. So, you know, I learned like DOS games and things and played soccer and did Taekwondo. And, but the, probably the most notable part of my childhood was I, uh, was homeschooled. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. So I, like all the way from initial grades to college, uh, I was, you know, primarily schooled by my mom for like the first six or seven grades. My sister and I would have, mm. you know, class in the classroom in the house and we each <laughs> had one side of a, of a large desk. And, um, 
it was, you know, my mom took it really seriously. Um, we, there was like actual class time and, and assignments and, um, it was really clear when we were, when we were uh, doing work or not. Um, and that whole, that gave me a lot of freedom, you know, growing up. Um, I, Let's see, by by probably like my uh, my teens or so, I was pretty like solidly online and starting to go to kind of like um, homeschool co-ops, um, you know, taking classes once a week with a bunch of other homeschoolers. And um, so I just I uh, I had a very different like childhood and teenagehood, I think, from a lot of Americans. Um, but I did end up uh, going off to college and I think, yeah, I got a degree in, in philosophy. Uh, I started in physics. And it was like, uh, too much math made my head hurt. <laughs> oh yeah, way too hard. I, I started off mechanical engineering and did not last in that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I did fine in the classes. I just the reason I I started in physics, Kyle, was like I wanted to, I wanted to get at like the the deep questions of reality. And this is kind of like mm -hmm. a thread of my life of even even when I was like a kid and I was raised sort of. Um, we were messianic Jewish. Are you familiar with that at all? No. Uh, how similar is that to um, the you know, traditional Judaism? Well, I like to I like to say I was Jewish uh, <laughs> because we uh, we were like in this sort of syncretic like uh, fusion experiment between Christianity and Judaism that like um, started with a kind of a born again Christian group that my mom was part of. And then her friends started this thing. And so, you know, we, we, we just had kind of a, uh, there was a religious sense in the household, but it was this kind of like, um, experimental religion. And that was like what I grew up with. So I kind of didn't, I didn't have uh, the sense of like a traditional church or synagogue in my experience. It was always sort of like, you know, we were cobbling together a group uh, in, in whatever building or, or house we could and, you know, sharing songs and food and dance. And, you know, it was just a really, really casual uh, environment. Um, but I, I remember being exposed to some, uh, some Kabbalistic teaching during that time. And I don't know if it was that or the Star Trek uh, <laughs> that I watched growing up, but I just like, I got really into some some deep questions very early um and so in college yeah i, I like pursued physics because i thought like oh well you know this is the most fundamental of sciences i might as well go there um yeah. but really it turned out that physicists weren't terribly interested in that kind of thing so uh <laughs> they don't admit not, it they don't admit it they don't, <laughs> if they were they didn't have very uh compelling ways of talking about it at texas yes. tech university oh gosh yeah um so, uh, yeah, I switched to philosophy and, um, uh, that was, that was deeply, um, nourishing, uh, ex exciting, adventurous. I started a philosophy podcast called bad philosophy, uh, in 2008, <laughs> because I know, you know, my friends and I would just sort of like bullshit, like for hours at coffee shops. And one day I think one of us was like, you know, we should just record these and put them on yeah. the internet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what this That's is. Better. And it was a lot harder back in the day, Kyle. This this whole ringer thing is great. Like, we had to, like, I think for, for our first episode, I was, like, holding my 2006 MacBook Pro, like, kind of in the middle of the table at Freebirds and, and just recording off the internal <laughs> mic and then oh. doing tons of post-processing in, uh, in GarageBand. Um, but, you know, eventually we got like, you know, good mics from the library and we're interviewing professors and um, we, we made over like 160 episodes. What? Um, and yeah, <laughs> like hour long episodes over no 10 years. Um, it's all still up there at badphilosophy.com. Um, but that kind of, I mean, that was the first time I really began to deeply explore um, these issues in, in relation with other people and uh i, I realize I'm, I'm taking kind of a long time to do my backstory but uh, no this is it's, great it's, i love it okay great um but that uh that was a really formative time for me those four years of college as they probably are for a lot of people um and i, I like many philosophy graduates i i was asked a lot like oh philosophy oh uh, 
what are you going to do with that? Uh, <laughs> and uh, at the time, I recall just absolutely hating the question every time someone asked me because um, as, as it goes with, with shadow stuff, um, we, what, we, what you resist persists. And I was, mm. I was definitely resisting that question you know, for myself mm. by continuing to, uh, you know, just kind of bullshit with my friends um, and, and, and not really having a good answer for that other than mm. um, anything I damn well want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change the world. <laughs> I'm gonna ch- I don't know, you know. Um, and so I graduated and was like, well, shit. Now what? Um, yeah. I didn't get into law school. I didn't want to go to grad school. I just like moved back in with my parents. And uh, on one very lonely night, like visiting my friends back at Texas Tech that summer, I was just kind of like, you know, I, I, I had big ambitions or whatever, like most most folks do after graduation. And I just had this moment of like, well, okay, uh, I've always been like a geek. Like I can just do that. I'm really good with computers. Mm-hmm. I'll just go be an Apple genius for a couple <laughs> of years and yeah. just you know get started there. And and that was my like settling. Um, turns out it's pretty difficult to become an Apple genius. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I learned that really fast. In I did get into to uh, an Apple retail store in Austin and had a couple like two and a half years of just, I mean, it was, it was insane. Like, uh, um, I often compare it to, uh, to like a war experience <laughs> or like a, like a medical ward. Like I basically worked in a, in a bionic emergency room. Yeah. Yeah. Diagnosing everyone's <laughs> like, problems, trying to, you know, dig deep into the, into the mainframe basically. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, folks would walk in with their, you know, cracked iPhone screens or like, I just lost my entire photo library and it has the only photos of my dead grandmother. And can you bring it back? And I'm like, Oh shit, not another one, you know, like, and so, so it was really, it was incredibly stressful. Um, but it was incredibly fun as well. I mean, Apple tends to, to hire like, I've always been sort of performative, as you can tell. I like to talk. Um, uh, growing up, I guess introverted, I never developed kind of the the fear, the, the same sort of social anxiety that a lot of people have. Um, but I I just I just dove into the time at Apple and learned a lot really quickly. Um, it was it was a crash course in humaning in um, <laughs> you know, playing the corporate game, all of that. Um, and then at some point, um, one of my responsibilities there was like personal training and this, um, wonderful character, uh, named Howard Wolf, um, who is like a, um, he was like a lawyer in Austin and grew up in West Texas and, and just, you know, have about the most typical Texas accent you can, you can possibly imagine. I can't tell that's um, East or West, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he he kind of took a liking to me on one of our, our computer training things. And he was actually, you know, because of him, Kyle, like we, we met, um, re- really, I would not be the person I am today, if not for, for Howard. Um, he introduced me to regulars where, where we met. Um, oh, and, okay. And, kind of in, he, he basically, he's, I think he saw a potential in me that was going like very underutilized at, at Apple. Um, and, and was like, you know, I can, I, you know, I think this guy could, could do something for me. So when he, uh, got the ambition to start a company, um, and he didn't initially know like what the company was going to be, but he just knew it was going to like, uh, be an important brand for, uh, or like promote the brand of Texas or something like that. Um, he invited me to uh, build a website and I ended up like resisting that and was like, no, no, no. My friend Kyle uh, here at Apple is like way better at, at this sort of thing. And you should totally hire him first. And so Howard did. And then Kyle was like, dude, like I'm going to hire you too. And like, <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I, I, as again, what you resist persists. And so I, 
became an operations director at a four-person startup um, in my mid-20s. And that was like a crazy uh, education in and of itself Mm -hmm. for like two years. Um, I, you know, experienced the Austin startup scene, which I really idolized um, at that time in my life. And, um, and, and just, uh, again, I had a lot of freedom to, uh, to build something uh, from the ground up there. But um, what I began to hit around that time was this, this deep angst. Um, and and kind of like as my awareness expanded to, to encompass the entire world in, uh, in a new way, I, and I, and I kind of like achieved like, basically my my most ambitious dreams up to that point in my life like i was living the life that i always thought was like ideal uh as as i was a geek working in a startup and and you know financially stable and all that um and in austin texas which was like you know the place to be Mm -hmm. and and so at that point of kind of being on top of the world uh to the extent that i could imagine it I still realize this like deep, deep hole in my soul or whatever. Um, and it brought me back around to like, you know, what the hell am I doing in this existence actually? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, uh, and, uh, you know, over, over a lot of beers and a lot of conversations and just a lot of complaining to some very patient <laughs> friends. Um, Thank God for that. I, I begin. Oh my gosh. I was like, just so grateful. I'm actually living with one of them and I, I tell him often like how grateful I am and, and how I should, how, how embarrassed I am for all of those times that I just ranted for hours <laughs> over, over beers and, and the, the porch of Wright brothers brew and brew and uh, on oh, Fifth street, you know, yeah, like, exactly. late into the night, looking at the Austin skyline when you could still see the Austin skyline from, mm-hmm. you know, East fifth street. Um, and, and it, it, it occurred to me that I wanted to do something very different. So I got a tremendous opportunity in early 2015. Um, things really flipped around for me. My all at once, my, uh, my girlfriend at the time moved to San Francisco to take her like dream job. And I had no desire to move to San Francisco. All my family is here in Austin, my work and everything. So, um, we, we parted ways. Um, and, Shortly thereafter, um, the startup I was working for downsized and I was one of the ones to go. So I was all of a sudden left with a tremendous amount of freedom um, and a fair bit of of cash in my savings accounts um, and really in an unprecedented situation. Um, So I, I took a few months to just sort of take stock of my life and had a lot of fun. This was like spring of 2015. So South by Southwest was going on in Austin and I was going to regulars every week and having all the conversations, taking all the notes and just in really a few continuous fugue state. Um, and yet there was something in me that was like, well, I should probably get a job. I should probably do the next thing. And the next thing that was obvious to me was like, well, I should probably go, you know, to code school <laughs> and become a JavaScript developer. That's like clearly the thing I should do. So I started in that and like a week in, um, I had a panic attack Oh yeah. and I have like never had a panic attack. And so just something deep in me was like, no, <laughs> yeah, go the other way. Um, Could you feel something building up to then or was it just all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really like um, a tipping point, and and um, it was I'll never forget. You know, it was like April third, uh, right after that. I was I was at Regulars again, where where we met on the porch of uh, Mozart's Coffee, and this is the morning. I'm just looking out over the water, and because of uh, someone who'd come up there, this like high school student. Um, who was like working two jobs to support his mom and was coming up there to interview for another one and had like been stood up. Uh, he just started talking to us and the regulars were like giving him life advice, uh, as, as, uh, 
uh, older white males are wont to do <laughs> to younger white males. Uh, but in this case, I actually listened and listened as if they were giving my past self the same advice. And one of them said, just like, you know, go to, instead of going to college, go to India for a year. Yeah. That's uh, wow. You'll learn more in a year than you, you know, in India than you would in four years wow. at a university. And that just kind of unlocked something in me. And I opened my notebook and I, on a blank page, I drew uh, the escape key of a keyboard. <laughs> in the center of the page. Like ESC? <laughs> Like ESC, oh my exactly. gosh. like classic, you know, um, you know, IBM fat key oh. escape key. Yep. Top. Because that was just this deep, deep image in my psyche that represented like, okay, the dream you're in right now, you don't have to be in that dream. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, okay, I'm playing reader rabbit or, um, X wing or, you know, like Sim city escape. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this feels like my entire world, this Austin, this, you know, uh, code school, whatever. But like, there's something bigger. There's, there's a bigger frame. So, um, I pressed the escape key on my life and, and was like, all right, well, if I could go anywhere, where would I go? I Googled eco village the next day. <laughs> where did that come from? And I have, I think, I think in the, like the depths of my depression, that previous winter, I was like on a YouTube bender or something and like, I forget how, but I, I mean, I was reading like the circle by Dave Eggers and like encrypting my hard drive and just, you know, going really deep into the network and, you know, super, super paranoid cyberpunk phase. And I think, I don't know, maybe the YouTube algorithm had a glitch or something <laughs> and just showed me like the opposite of all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I had that word in my mind, that, that notion. Um, and I, I, in Googling it, I found out, oh, well, the Global Eco Village Summit is happening in uh, Findhorn, Scotland in like three months. And it's the 20th anniversary or whatever of the first one in, in mm. 1995. And I was like, well, duh, that's obviously <laughs> where I should go. You know, just <laughs> go, to the, go to the center of this business. It's um, like the number two hit on Google Google's front page. Like, oh, that's it's a sign. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I saw the signs. I was, again, I was in sort of this flow state, fugue state, feeling like, you know, the universe was, was carrying me on a wave. Um, and, and it was holy, you know, it was like, all of a sudden I have a mission from God or something like that. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just, I just went with it. Um, everything fell into place. Um, uh, I, uh, I went on just a whirlwind uh, adventure and it was the first time that I'd gone on really an adventure on my own in the world, um, exposed to every possible spiritual viewpoint, um, all kinds of alternative economic and social and uh, cultural uh, paradigms. Uh, and, and just so many ways to human. Um, I just explored the entire spectrum um, over the course of the next like six or seven months. Uh, I ended up falling in love with someone in Spain and we came back over to the, uh, to the States uh, to, well, to North America and spent some time in Canada. Um, I discovered around that time that the angst and the deep hole that I was feeling was um, largely a result of a lot of unprocessed uh, developmental trauma is one way you could put it mm -hmm. from, from my like childhood and, and teenagehood and that I needed to uh, really dive in to the inner world and, and do some cleanup there before I could uh, effectively join the cleanup process of the outer world that I was so desperately jumping into um, and, and really making a lot of messes everywhere I went. I look back now and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was definitely a, a burden to a lot of people. Um, and and I, I, that's where I was at the time. Um, so I just got to love myself in that. Yeah. 
I want to check in real quick. You haven't responded in a bit, and the connection seems spotty. Are we still good? Yeah, we're good. We're twenty three minutes okay. in. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. I sure can. And and I'm coming. I'm coming up to. I'm almost. I'm almost there. We're coming up to the present. Okay. Because um, what this resulted in, and uh, this brings us back to why I would be at a monastery um, a, in Virginia before this, is uh, a few places along the, the travels I heard about the uh, Vipassana or the uh, Vipassana uh, centers and this like 10 day silent retreat mm -hmm. uh, for free um, that was the hardest thing that I have ever done, uh, according to a few people, um, that, that was what they would tell that, me. And that's what everyone like, well, said that I've heard as yeah, well. Yes. Yes. Right. Like, and, and you hear it the same way from multiple people and you're like, okay, maybe there's something to this. There's something consistent mm -hmm. here. And in an increasingly, uh, chaotic, untrustworthy world, <clears throat> mere consistency alone has had become kind of a criterion for me mm. of like what's true. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and particularly consistency across very, uh, seemingly different or, uh, uh, unrelated domains. Mm. Um, and so I, I've always had a kind of a mind to do that, to sort of find the patterns, uh, and the connections across very different uh, places and times and people and fields. And this was one that was standing out to me. So I treated it like a video game. I was like, well, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to play the Vipassana 10 day retreat game. Uh, <laughs> and oh I, uh, I definitely, it, it was like a live action RPG. Um, and, and I was, you know, the player character, but there were, there were NPCs that I did not interact with verbally. And every day you were given new tasks and there was like, you know, each kind of each sit is its own is like uh is like a a, bo a battle yeah. you know and then you would have boss fights occasionally and you definitely there's a feeling of skill building and leveling up and it was just all there you know um i could i could apply my my playstation skills and my uh my my pc gaming skills to this yeah. uh, medium that was remaking my soul wow. you know or i was in i was doing deep surgery on on my soul um so that was uh that was profound it it uh i had i had dabbled in psychedelics before that but they were they were always transient the effects were would go away as soon as the substance left my body um and this was categorically different it was it was a true change at the deepest level that i did myself sober uh and left me with a different mind on the other side that persisted over time. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, at that point I was like, okay, there's something to this, but it took me about another year to begin actually practicing seriously. Um, and I had just, you know, what I'll describe as, as a breakthrough. I, I won't give it any other name cause there's a lot of controversy around that. And, um, after that breakthrough, it became a lot easier to practice. I found it uh, to be the most fun and rewarding game ever to, to just give myself progressively more goals of integrating the, the practice into my day-to-day -day life. Um, I began following the precepts uh, at home and uh, you know, exploring the, the jhanas and reading the, the Buddhist scriptures and, and, and just really diving into this uh, in, a, in a serious form. Um, but I was doing it alone. And largely the last couple of years for me has been uh, a lonely journey of trying to find a community uh, that I am really enthusiastic about giving my life to um, that is, is as geeked out about the practice mm -hmm. as I am uh, and in a compatible way. So uh, that's why I've been exploring different monasteries and, and uh, in the U.S. and different centers and just practicing really um, sincerely uh, in between. Um, dealing, of course, with the remnants of, of 
ego structures that are still holding on uh, mm-hmm. as, as they do. <laughs> but uh, generally experiencing the world with a lot more, um, a lot more joy and freedom and, uh, and peace um, than, than I ever had beforehand. So uh, that pretty much brings me up to, to the present. And thank you so much, uh, listeners and Kyle, for, for the attention and space to to play out that oh, story. Oh man, thank you for mm-hmm. so eloquently taking on, uh, taking us on that journey with you. Um, uh, a lot of years have passed uh, since uh, homeschooling uh, with your with your family uh, mm-hmm. to to now back in Austin. You know, taking a, a a leave until going back and diving back into it. Uh, that was beautiful. Like that was that was really wonderful. Thank you. Um, there's so much to mm-hmm. unpack there. Um, and yeah. <laughs> like, I'll start with what you just said, actually, um, you know, over the last year before the uh, most recent monastery in Virginia, uh, you said it was, you know, it was a lonely experience trying to, uh, dis- you know, understand what you're trying to um, take on as a new part of your life. And the search for mm-hmm. community um, is uh, a key element in that it reminds me of um uh, who's it? Alexander Supertramp from Into the Wild. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact quote, but I'll paraphrase it. He's like, um, happiness or joy is only worth it if you uh, spend it among friends or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had a very, mm-hmm. um, he was very independent in the way he uh, went about uh, traveling the world and uh, discovering himself. And, you know, he found a place, but uh, ultimately it was by himself and it wasn't worth it um to 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 do all that but and not share it and it's kind of similar to the buddha's journey um to to go all the way to the end of enlightenment you know a bodhisattva is somebody who's just on the edge of becoming enlightened but they realize you know there's more people that i can you know bridge um that gap uh for and comes back and you know does the work and um, yeah, there's there's this great moment. Um, the the different you know uh, the different branches of, of Buddhism tell the story slightly differently, but the the version of it that I know is uh, you know so he's he's sitting under the under the Bodhi tree there, right? Like experiencing the bliss of release, as the as the phrase goes, and um, and just kind of like reviewing this this download, this, you know, the biggest download mm-hmm. <laughs> possible of like the, the full Dharma. Um, and, and he's just in, when he thinks about the world and he's sort of considering other people, he's like, there is like, nobody is going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> this is so nuts. Like, and, and like so different yeah, and so profound like nobody's like there's no way and and as the the story goes um saka the 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 king of the gods um appears to him and and is like nah like but you got it though Mm. and there are other beings out there with little dust in their Mm -hmm. eyes as as he says with little who, who can all they need is to just like a little finger pointing in the right direction and they will see the same thing that you saw. Yeah. And so he's like, rise up, rise up, Victor, uh, and go and share what you rightly gained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Buddha's like, all right, you know, I, I, I take refuge in this truth, this way that things are, this Dharma and, and, I'll, I'll take on the hypothesis, at least, as a good scientist would, that there are others like me who are ready to see this. And he, yeah, he goes back to the group of friends that he was staying with and is like, here's what I got, y'all. <laughs> and then one of them like wakes up mm-hmm. and he's like, I love the Buddha's response. He's like, when, when, when uh, uh, Kondanya's like, um, I, I, I see, the, the, the Buddha's like, so like really? So you re- you really see? You see the same thing I do, and and I can just I mean my heart just just swells when I think about this. It's like that moment when you're like, oh fuck, I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> like whoa, you know, and and that's when the sangha begins. You know? Yeah. Um, wow. 
And man, that's that's so relieving to hear um, because I often mm-hmm. feel like um, I'm in this bubble where I'm like, and you've 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 seen something similar where it's like there's more to life. This isn't all there is. Um, and yeah. you know, you start reading um, scriptures, you start reading um, personal accounts, uh, stories, and uh, you know, I haven't dove deep uh, as much as you have, but um, I listen to people who have, and I'm like, wow, like there's there's something like the immeasurable, unfathomable joy that can be. Uh, uh, felt uh, in a very real way uh, when there's so much suffering mm. in the world, um, or at least we perceive it as suffering. Um, to know mm. that that's possible um, is a uh, it, it's it's a it's a joy, and it's a it can be a burden knowing that um, it's uh, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain, and yeah, and I've been in the uh, not severe depression, but you know I've. You know, just like how am I gonna? Because there's always the the brain that's or the the mind that's getting in the way of uh, expressing yourself fully, and um, you know mm-hmm. how am I gonna make this work? Um, what where is the money gonna come from? Um, are they? Mm-hmm. Is anyone gonna understand me? And you know that's kind of where this podcast came from is me talking to people um, who may have a glimpse of it that I can kind of commiserate with and uh can share this with so um right i'm i'm really glad that you're on the path and uh are here to to share it oh i really appreciate that kyle um i i having having done the podcast thing for a long time i have a deep appreciation for the conversation as spiritual practice and the the way in which in relation uh we kind of ca- we can like jam the truth forth mm. <laughs> does that make sense not really like if <laughs> okay maybe i can pa- unpack that like um you know the, this i i've i've, I've noticed that how how much are you familiar with like the game A game B stuff that's kind of in the field lately? I'm not at all. Okay, um, maybe I'll just have to do this from first principles. Um, so like when when you're sharing with me there that like okay I've experienced I've experienced depression. I'm kind of like I'm I'm seeking something. I'm not exactly sure what I'm seeking, but like I'm engaged in the process. And maybe there are like other people out there who've like found something or like at least found a, um, a way to walk towards something. And like, I'm going to go talk with them and, and maybe it'll get me a little bit closer. Um, that kind of enthusiasm is the, the, in my experience, like that's the turning point um, in anyone's life. When you sort of like, you're like, I'm, I'm in kind of a bad way, you know, like this sucks. <laughs> Something really sucks in my life right now. And like, there are kind of two ways that I can, I can respond to that. Either, either I can be like, well, it's just going to be that way. Life is suffering. You know, yeah. like, I just got to like lay down and take it. Or you can respond with this, like, like, okay, it doesn't have to be this way. I'm not sure how I know that, but like, I know it doesn't have to be this way. And like, there seem to be other people out there who don't have it as bad off as I do. And they're, and like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you just begin to investigate. Yeah. And like, um, that's, does that land? Yeah, of like, course it does. Of, of course it does. And okay. Okay. I think it's like so interesting um, where, I mean, the Buddha says um, life is suffering. Um, that, that's a very bold statement to, to come out the gates swinging with. Um, and, well, and I want to stop you there because I, I, I judge that to be, unfortunately, a mistranslation mm-hmm. of, of um, the, the, the truth of Dukkha. Um, and it is a very difficult Pali word to translate. Pali is the language of the Buddhist mm-hmm. time and, and is related to Sanskrit. And um, it's the, the notion of Dukkha that I have f- through experience is more just like 
um, the fact that any any like like to exist to be a being is to like to cling to reality mm-hmm. right uh in in the sense of like feeding off of it and and literally the word like tanaha or or uh, or craving clinging and craving mm. um tanaha and upadana in pali have the sense of like being hungry for existence like that and and so you know the kind of suffering you have when you're hungry right you know mm-hmm. like you can never fill your belly full for good right yeah. like that's that's the way in which um, the Buddha means it is like, mm-hmm. it's not always suffering. Not every moment is, is suffering. Not every aspect of life is suffering. Obviously there are pleasant things and there are, there are neutral things, but it's that we're all, like, because of entropy, right? Maybe how we would put it in scientific terms, like, you know, being involves entropy and like Dukkha and entropy are very close in my mind. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I wanted to kind of like push back because I think a lot of people hear that, oh, life is suffering and they like label the Buddha a pessimist, right? Or, a, um, I forget what the right term is, but a, de- a defeatist or something. And that's really not what he's saying. It's, it's the first of, it's an opportunity. It's to realize that, um, you can, you can choose not to feed initially by feeding off of better food to the point where you find something that is is deathless is timeless and that doesn't require you to feed um and like that's that's really the opportunity that the buddha is pointing to with that um mm-hmm. but i don't know we're going kind of, we're kind of rabbit trail in there oh How no, does it feel I, for me to like your position I, I it's 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 like i feel like at some at points in my life i've grasped this and you know i've mm. thought yes uh i i can i can let go of all these things and then uh, a second later, uh, you know, it comes back. Um, but you know, I often get wrapped yep. up personally in the, in the theory behind it and, um, how, and, and the, how I can explain it part of it. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. a, that's, that's a messy, messy path. Um, and I'm really curious. I, and you may, you may have said, uh, a little bit about this on another episode, but, um, what, what is your background in terms of like, you know, practice like what what have you actually have you done retreats have you been have you been practicing any kind of concentration are you following any of the precepts like um yeah yeah, what's your what's your experience with all that um so i am familiar with the uh the noble the eight noble truths and or could you uh, remind me what those are? Um, well, there's the four the fourfold noble truth, and then the the eightfold path. The yeah. eightfold path, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm familiar mm-hmm. with that. Um, I would say the most um, serious I've gotten into meditation has been through um, uh, the book uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, and oh yeah, Yogananda, right? Correct. Yes. So that's more yeah, of a, a Hindu um, Christian. Um, uh, uh, source of, you know, where their teachings come from. Mm-hmm. And so I, per- I, you know, I grew up Catholic, but not practicing and, um, mm-hmm. became atheist like very early in childhood. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, going very analytical. And then it was actually through science that I, um, came back to this, you know, I've, I was always spiritual, um, I guess in college, especially, you know, those, those late night conversations with friends and oh, yeah. those, those like, you know, you go down those YouTube rabbit holes and you, um, you know, take psychedelics and you, you see things and you're like, what is that? And, you know, that was always yeah. in the back of my mind. You have like a glimpse. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that it really shakes you up in terms of like, what am I supposed to be doing? And so, you know, yeah. reading more into that, um, kind of, and then, um, talking to more people brought me to that book. Um, only recently, like I would say like the beginning middle of this year, um, maybe like, oh, this is pretty fresh. Yeah. Okay. Like three months ago, uh, three or four months ago. Okay. And I, and so at the end of the book, uh, uh, it invites you to, uh, look into Kriya Yoga and the self-realization fellowship, uh, which is based in, uh, LA. 
And so I got, mm -hmm. I started taking the lessons and they give you a series of concentration techniques and meditation uh, principles um, and really trying to fill like to, cause there is that unfillable hole we always find ourselves in. They are always craving to, to satisfy. And um, mm -hmm. a true, a true religion would satisfy that thirst. And so this is, this is where I'm at right now. And mm -hmm. I've, um, taking it, I would say, semi-seriously in, in the practice arena. Um, very serious in the mental arena. I think it's, I, I can, in, 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 in idea, I understand that everything is, is an illusion and, um, you know, and nothing is real. But in practice, um, I've... It feels pretty real though, doesn't it? Yes, of course. And, to, and the amount of spiritual bypass that I've gone through um, to, to get through with that is, uh, is, has led to a lot of suffering. Um, you know, any type of judgment of, you know, there, some person on the street is less enlightened than I am, you know, something like that. And, oh, yeah. oh man, yeah. you know, I'm probably still going through that, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it was very, it was much more pronounced, uh, I would say last, even like last year, oof, pretty bad. Um, so, you know, I'm, I just feel, I just feel such joy listening to you right now. I'm, just gonna... <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have like the greatest adventure yes, of your life. I mean, I can like, hear it in your voice, like right, your, your right sense now, of calm like, and yeah. presence. It's, it's, it's right there. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I picked up a few tricks along the way and I'm, mm. you know, I'm just stepping into it as best I can. And, uh, these kinds of conversations, mm. um, are where I want to be. And I'm, I'm happy to, to go deeper into that. Um, but, um, I think. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That really it it uh, it clarifies and informs me a lot. Of like kind of where you are, where your mind is right now. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, trauma earlier, and that's such a bit. That's yeah. such a big word um, that a lot of people maybe <laughs> have different understandings of. Some people may think of um, you know abuse. Some people may think of you know unworthiness or uh, yeah. whatever it may be. And it just becomes a part of your personality, and you're you don't even realize that the triggers that cause you know anger or fear or um, you know the sense of lack um, is it's just always there. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, like, what were mm -hmm. your um, pain points that you kind of uh, worked around or you were still working through? Sure. Um, well, it's it's good that you bring that up. Um, because like the the word trauma, I think, is another perfectly legitimate translation of the word dukkha, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and it has that same broad spectrum of intensity, right, and and meaning um, as dukkha. It's a very very difficult word to translate one way, and it means different things to different people. Um, so you know the way, but the way we use it, I think, is very very. Uh, uh, similar to the way that the Buddha would have used the word dukkha. Um, it can refer to anything from uh, a, a, you know, physical shock to the body, um, you know, physical injury to, um, you know, uh, developmental, psychological, emotional uh, trauma, right? Due to you know, early childhood development experiences of being, you know, uh, isolated or, or ignored or verbally abused. Um, it can also refer to, to kind of, uh, low level, um, uh, uh, like suboptimal use of the body over time, mm -hmm. right? Like the digestive system or your feet, right. Can be, can be slowly traumatized by a thousand cuts, mm -hmm. you know, over 10 or 20 years. Um, and as, uh, you know, we have this whole cluster of, uh, of researchers and therapists, um, and, um, and, and trauma healing practitioners and so many modalities nowadays. It's really, it's really quite, um, it's come quite onto the scene in, in a huge way in the past five to 10 years uh, and into the public consciousness um, in a way that, that I think was, was really not there. I, I just don't remember it being um, as much part of the public conversation when I was in college, like at all. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was one of those hush, hush words, you know, Oh, you're, you're traumatized. You know, you, you've got some mental illness or you're crazy or whatever. 
it wasn't really known uh, or fully accepted that we all have trauma, right? We, we all have experienced some kind of trauma in our lives to some extent at some point. Um, and we have a, a, a unique uh, tangle or pattern of trauma that we have to kind of disentangle uh, in our own way, um, largely from, from our own personal work. Uh, and that it's not something that you can solve quickly with a pill or uh, even with just a therapeutic relationship, although I think those are um, really important to have for a lot of people. Um, and it really, it, for me, trauma was the way that I contextualized and understood the the in, initial insights that were occurring to me um, after the, the breakthrough experience that I mentioned earlier. Um, I kind of had the vocabulary of Western science just like in my head from <laughs> my upbringing and, and readings over the years. And so the, these are the ways that I largely make sense of the ineffable um, realizations that, that occurred. Um, and, and you asked kind of like what my, my way in for that was, uh, what, what my pain point was. Um, and, and for me, it was, it was the physical trauma that had accumulated from uh, from years of playing soccer, uh, from years of of uh, of, con of contact or impact uh, sports uh, of taekwondo, um, and and you know working out or doing weight training in a in a very unskillful way, all of this combined with my uh, my penchant for um, for living the digital life, you know, and and putting myself in front of a screen, uh, had resulted in a fair bit of of dissociation from my body. Uh, and it was not apparent to me until I actually had to just sit with myself mm. alone in a dark room for several dozen hours yeah. <laughs> over the course of a retreat that I finally realized how much pain I was keeping at bay uh, on a moment to moment basis. Wow. And when I turned toward it and just began to feel what my body was actually trying to say, everything changed. And when I was given a technique that I, I could use to systematically, like, uh, kind of release the pressure, you know, in, 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 in manageable chunks, mm -hmm. <laughs> as it were, uh, to, to, you know, to meet, the monsters down below, um, in a way that didn't tell my, my conscious brain that, that I was, uh, like in imminent danger of, of death. Um, then it became fun mm. actually to feel my body. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm laughing because it's just, it's almost hard for me to remember now how scary it was to just feel my feelings, to just feel emotion, um, you know, especially in the presence of other people, but even just on my own, um, and how much of life I was shutting down to because I wasn't feeling. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so many um, yeah so yeah that was my way in wow mm -hmm. and wow thank you for sharing that um to yeah. uh the, the amount of pressure we put on ourselves to keep a, a straight face um is uh, it's debilitating and like you said a uh, death by mm -hmm. a thousand cuts um uh, it just it's just stored it's yeah. stored in the body and unless you allow yourself to feel what is and not labeling it, you know, there's nothing right or wrong about it. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, simply, uh, you know, it's a part of that I am. Like I am uh, pain and suffering. I am joy and happiness. Um, and to 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 flip that switch, like you said, is oh, I, so liberating. Um, I've had I've yeah. had these moments, um, like. It, it's like when you have these thoughts in your head and you're just going in circles, like, you know, I'm supposed to be doing something when I'm supposed to be doing something or something, something's wrong. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and then the second I verbalize that, like, if, let's say, once I get it out of my head 
and I just say it out loud, I just realize how ridiculous I'm sounding. I'm like, I'm the one creating this. And it's so, yeah. it's so funny. And you, I just like, I'll just start having a conversation aloud in my house. Like no one's around. Like yeah. I would look crazy probably yeah. if someone was, was viewing me, but it's, yeah. just, it's so freeing. It's so great. And oh, it's, I'm so glad you experienced that on a, on a deeper level. Um, and um, would you say you had this breakthrough? Like, what could you describe what that meant? Well, I, I just want to comment real quick there that um, that uh, what you discovered there that sense of like of of, of like talking to yourself in a skillful way, um, and, and really allowing yourself to do that. You know that that moment where you go, okay, this this is going to seem crazy, but. I mean, I am alone in my house right now, so fuck yeah. it. You know, like, <laughs> just like this. Um, that for me, that was really the turnaround. Is is I my voice, the voice in my head before that breakthrough was was always critical. Yeah, more often yeah. than not, was critical. And um, and you know, just that kind of running inner critic. And it wasn't until I began to really listen and then and then speak back and have that internal conversation, allow myself to just look myself in the mirror and talk it out, um, that I began to, to discover this, this, the potential really mm -hmm. of, of exactly what you say, of just feeling it, but without, um, without labeling it, just, just gen being genuinely curious about my experience. Right in a way that that wasn't asking it to be anything other than what it was, um, but also wasn't just kind of uh, surrendering in in like like flopping over and, and just wallowing in it or whatever. Yeah. Right, just just sort of oh woe is me, you know, it's just always going to be this way. But just finding kind of the 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 medium between those two or the synthesis, and um, and then doing that deeper and deeper. I mean, I, I think what I got into was b because there wasn't a ton of instruction beyond the, the, the meditation technique, um, which I won't say a lot mm -hmm. about in, in the, the Vipassana lineage, you, you really just want to go and experience it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's what you might just call a, a very thorough body scanning technique. Um, what that allowed me to do was, was have this sense of, um, you know, kind of being on the, the bridge of the enterprise, like going where no one had gone before. Right. <laughs> like that was the, the metaphor I had. And, um, the, the breakthrough, you know, if I can say anything about it was, was really just the point at which I faced down Godzilla, yeah. <laughs> just like the biggest, baddest monster I could find down there. And 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 asked him to to like just take his best shot. <laughs> wow. <Right>? Wow. Wow. <laughs> give me it all. Give me it. Oh man. Just give me it all. Just like you know, use your super flame breath thing on and just just destroy me. Right? Yeah. Like and 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 it was what what came out about on the other side of that was like that happened, you know, he brought like the maximum amount of pain that I could possibly imagine. And I mean, this is occurring as I'm, as I'm like, you know, lying in bed, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's, there was something in my mind that was like, yeah, but I'm actually fine. Um, and, and it was something about like having that lifeline of like the container and the, the fact that I was like, you know, living by the generosity of, of so many other people and connected mm. to this lineage of teaching that, that for thousands of years has helped millions of people. Like all of that was kind of in the back of my mind at that moment when I'm standing and facing Godzilla. And it's, it's that thing that, that allowed me to just, to not even stand my ground, but just to be, to be completely and utterly like humbled, surprised, I don't, I don't know if I even have a word for, for everything that, that occurred there. Um, but it was a realization. I think that at, at the deepest level, there was something that, that doesn't die that I can mm -hmm. touch in any moment. And that, that, that death of everything that I identified with was what allowed me to come back into life 
with at the deepest level, not, not that angst that I was speaking to, not that sense of a hole that could never be filled, but that sense of at once, like uh, an unshakable center and like the most fundamental, like singularity, black hole, you know, voidness, uh, at the center of my, my present experience. Um, is, is any of this making sense? I, I don't know. That is so beautiful. <laughs> okay. That is amazing. Um, and then and... from there, there, there just wasn't a fear anymore. All of a sudden, Godzilla was on my side. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I was like writing him, asking him to just introduce me to all the other, all of his friends down what? there in the, in the vast, you know, deep underworld of, of the, of the mind body system of the psyche. And, and <sighs> that's when the work really began though, Kyle is like, I, I realized at that point that, okay, now I have, now I have a way to practice for real. And whatever I was calling meditation before this moment was not meditation. And, and mm -hmm. if I really want to do this, I, I have to be doing it to some extent with every single breath. And I, at that time I was like, I am nowhere close to that, but at least I can make a plan to get closer. And if every day, if every hour, if every minute, just get a little bit closer than, you know, the journey of a thousand miles, uh, right? Yeah.